following sermon was delivered at Antioch Presbyterian Church, a mission work of Calvary Presbytery of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Woodruff, South Carolina. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com or contact us at info at AntiochPCA.com. May the Lord bless you as you receive gracious instruction from His Word. I wonder if any of y'all have ever been in the middle of a conversation with someone and, and the conversation turns to someone famous. You start talking about a famous person, perhaps an athlete or a favorite musician, an actor, or perhaps in, in our own circles, a theologian. Well, normally conversations like this tend to be focused not on any kind of personal relationship that you might have with this famous person, but it's focused on what these people have done. You see, athletes and, and actors, uh, musicians and the like, become famous because of the things which they do. No one knows about the guy who tried to make it big in music but never quite made it, right? Nobody knows about that guy who played ball in high school, but never went any further. Now, famous people are famous because of the things which they do, and when we have conversations about them, we tend to focus on those things which they have done. When they do something extraordinary, people begin to take note and to speak of them. This is a very common phenomenon, and I think it points us to a clear fact about us as human beings. We like to have reasons to praise things, people. We have reasons abundant to praise the one who actually deserves that praise. This is what Psalm 113 teaches us. Psalm 113 gives us a call to praise the Lord and causes to praise the Lord. Psalm 113 calls you, Christian, to offer acceptable praise to the Lord because of who he is and what he has done. A call to praise. We can look at this psalm under two general headings. Very simple. Two C's. It alliterates nicely. A call and a cause. We have the call to praise in verses 1 through 3. And we have causes for praise in verses 4 through 9. And 1 through 3, the call for the covenant people to render acceptable praise. And 4 through 9, the causes because of who God is and what he has done, that we are to praise him for. So let's look then to the scriptures, uh, first under our heading of the call to praise the Lord. You'll notice there in verse 1, and at the very end of verse 9, the bookends of this psalm. This very common phrase, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We are here called to render praise to the Lord. This phrase, 
I think has too often been taken by us to be a mere exclamation of praise. Right? When, when the Lord does something that we recognize he deserves praise for, uh, we might say, praise the Lord, which is fitting and acceptable. But here in this psalm, that's, that's not really what David, or the psalmist, excuse me, is doing. This isn't just an exclamation of praise. This is a call. This is an imperative. Here the psalmist says, you praise the Lord. It is a command. Children, we are commanded here in Psalm 113 to praise the Lord, just as we are commanded elsewhere in Scripture. The Ten Commandments tell us you must do this or you must not do this. Here in Psalm 113, we see we must praise God. It is, as our shorter catechism tells us, the duty that we have. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This call is our duty. We are to glorify God. That is why God has created us. And so we see this call at both ends of the psalm, a command. Praise the Lord. The Lord calls you, commands you, dear saints, to praise him. Which leads us into uh, the idea that this is covenant praise. We've seen there's a call, a command, to praise the Lord. But who is this command to? Well, verse 1 continues, Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Here we see the idea of, of covenant praise. Right? The Lord calls the servants of the Lord to praise him. Who are the servants of the Lord? Well, very simply put, those are, are God's people. Covenant community. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are called here to praise him. The children of those who trust the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been uh, given baptism and made members of the visible church, they are called, the servants of the Lord are called to praise the Lord. Now, a servants of the Lord in the Old Testament was also used as kind of a technical term to often refer to the priesthood. Um, but... What does uh, 1 Peter 2.9 tell us? It tells us that those who trust in the Lord Jesus are a royal priesthood, a chosen people. And why were they chosen? Why were those who trust Jesus made this royal priesthood and this chosen people? 1 Peter 2.9 says it's so that they might praise the Lord, that they might glorify him. We see this call to praise God is given to the covenant people of God. We see that also, this idea of covenant praise and the fact that they are to praise the name of the Lord. The Lord, God, has revealed his name to his people. He did this to Moses in the burning bush. He said, I am who I am. Tell the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The Lord revealed his name to his people. He has a special relationship now, children, you know that if a stranger comes up to you and asks you what your name is, you're probably not supposed to tell them, right? You don't just tell your name to anybody. 
form a relationship by telling your name to people. And that's what the Lord did by revealing his name to his people. He forms a relationship with them. It's a very great and amazing thing that the Lord has revealed his name. You know the name of the God who made heaven and earth because he revealed it. Because he loves to save people and bring them into his covenant community, this special group of his people, his chosen ones. So we see that this call to praise is for the covenant people of God, the servants of the Lord who are to praise the Lord's name. And it's the servants of the Lord who are also to render acceptable praise to the Lord. Right? We don't just invent the praise that we give to the Lord. The Lord tells us how we are to praise Him. And He tells us two specific things here in this psalm about how we are to praise His name. First, our acceptable praise is supposed to be an eternal praise. Never-ending, everlasting praise which does not stop. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. Forever is a really long time, isn't it, children? Can you think of how long forever is? I can't. Forever is a long, long time. But God is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. God is forever in both directions. And so he deserves forever praise. That is acceptable praise for the Lord. It's not just one little moment of praise where you come to church and the Lord's Day morning and Lord's Day evening and you render him praise now and then the rest of the week you say, okay, no more praise for God until next week. No, the Lord deserves everlasting praise. That's why when you have family worship Part of that is praising the Lord because that is acceptable praise to the Lord. The Lord deserves eternal praise. And eternal praise means necessarily that it must be generational. God is a God to generation after generation after generation. He is the God who calls Parents and their children and all who are far off that he chooses. It must be a generational praise. It is parents' responsibility to praise the Lord. And it is their responsibility to train up their children to praise the Lord. And it is those children's responsibility when they have children one day to train up those children to praise the Lord. Generation after generation after generation must praise the Lord. That is what he deserves. A people throughout all ages praising his name. It must be eternal praise. That is acceptable praise to the Lord. But the psalmist doesn't stop there. He tells us another thing about this acceptable praise to God. Look at verse 3. The psalmist calls the servants of the Lord to praise the Lord from the rising of the sun to its setting. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now, while the application that we should praise God, you know, all day long when the sun rises down to when we go to bed, 
is fitting. That's not what the psalm really has an idea here. It's talking about worldwide universal praise. The sun rises and sets and rises and sets, and everywhere that that sun shines down on, that is a place where the name of the Lord ought to be praised. It is to be universal. Everywhere. All of the nations should praise the Lord. And one day, there will be people from every tribe and tongue who are praising the Lord. Because the Lord will have all peoples and nations in the world. Praise Him, for that is what is acceptable to Him. Even as the Lord is omnipresent, He is everywhere, so the Lord says, acceptable praise is praise which is rendered to me in every age and in every place. That means the Lord desires praise here in the upstate of South Carolina. And He desires praise over in Europe. And he deserves praise and desires praise over in the far east. As far as the east is from the west, that is the place in which the Lord desires praise. That is the realm over which Christ the King has dominion. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does his successive courses run. God is the God of the whole world and deserves praise and commands praise from every corner of the earth. This is acceptable praise that the saints of God, the servants of the Lord, are called to render to him. And so, what this means, dear saints, is that you have a duty to praise the Lord. You have been called here. You have been commanded to praise the Lord. So, praise Him. It's a very simple application, but I think a necessary one. We tend to kind of forget that we're supposed to do that sometimes. When things don't seem to be going your way, when life is hard, when you get down, you're still supposed to praise the Lord. It is your duty, and it should also be your delight. So, praise the Lord. Praise Him in your private worship, and in your family worship, and in public worship. Praise the Lord. And this also means, parents, you are to set an example and teach your children to praise the Lord. Even as the Lord's praise is to be eternal, generational, never-ending, so you are to raise up a generation that will raise up a generation that will raise up a generation to praise the Lord. This is a duty to teach others to praise the Lord, especially your children, so that the name of the Lord will be praised from now and forever. And so, we see then, in these first three verses, a call for the people of God to render acceptable praise to the Lord. But God knows who we are. He knows our frail frame. He knows that it can be difficult for us to praise Him. Right? We're, we're weak and sinful. And like I mentioned earlier, we sometimes get down and we don't feel like praising God. And so what does God give us here in the next part of this psalm? He gives us causes to praise Him. 
He teaches us that we can praise him for who he is and what he has done. We're called to praise him for who he is and what he has done. Called to praise God for who he is, the attributes of God. And we see many here, even in this brief portion of Scripture. We see first in verse 4 and 5, we see God's transcendence. We see God's sovereignty. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? Verse 4 says the Lord is high above all nations and his glory is above the heavens. The Lord God is transcendent. That's a big word, children, which, which means God is high above us. God is so much greater than us. Nothing else compares to him. Nothing at all. Um, Maybe you remember last week when Pastor Harold talked about whether it would be easier for a person to become an ant or for God to become man. Well, people are a lot bigger than ants, right? We're much greater than ants. God is so much greater than us. It doesn't even compare. We're closer to ants than we are to God. God is transcendent above and beyond everything, completely different than we are. He is not a man like we are. He is the true God. He is transcendent. And the Lord is also sovereign. He's the king. That's what verse 5 tells us when it says that he is enthroned on high. It uses the image of a throne. God sits on a king's chair. God rules over everything. God judges all the nations. Is anybody in a country like the king? No. The king is special. He's higher than everyone else. And he's the one who makes all of the rules, doesn't he? The Lord God is the king of kings. He is the one who rules and reigns over everything. He is the one who has decreed what ever comes to pass. He's completely sovereign, controlling everything. The Lord is great. Who is like him? The psalmist asks. The obvious answer, no one. Because he's transcendent and he's sovereign. And these attributes are taught to us here in this psalm in order for us to recognize a little bit about who God is so that we can praise him. Doesn't a king, when he goes out in the nation, doesn't he get praise from his people? People look at the king and, you know, you have the, the trumpeters announce his presence. And everybody looks and sees the king and they say, oh, it's the king. Quick, bow down. Quick, praise him. Kings get praise from their people. The Lord God is the highest king over all the nations. If an earthly king gets praise from people, how much more should the Lord God get? Have you ever thought of that before? 
We're reformed. We recognize the sovereignty of God over everything. Have you ever thought about how that means? He is deserving of all praise. Every little thing that has happened in your life, all those good things, all those little tiny blessings given to you by the sovereign God who decreed them, doesn't that warm your heart? Doesn't that make you want to praise him more? That is what this psalm tells us. That we should recognize his transcendence and his sovereignty. That he's completely other than us. That he's a king. That we ought to praise him for those things. And he's sovereign. He has given us things. And we ought to praise him for that as well. But the psalm doesn't stop there. It continues to teach us about God's attributes. To give us even more reason to praise him. Look at verse 6. The Lord, the sovereign and transcendent God in verses 4 and 5, is the God who humbles himself to behold the things in heaven and on earth. Isn't that amazing? The Lord, who is transcendent, completely other, completely beyond us, humbles himself, literally stoops down, like, like a father who picks up his child, right? He, he bends over to us, humbles himself to take notice of us. The transcendent God is also imminent. He comes to us. He reveals himself to us. He becomes near to us. That, too, is an attribute deserving of so much praise. The Lord is humble. And eminent, condescending to his people. But the psalmist doesn't stop there either. Although that is wonder beyond our comprehension. That this transcendent God also humbles himself, makes himself eminent. Though this sovereign God who controls all things takes notice of us and cares for us. It keeps going. It tells us of his kindness and goodness as well in verses 7 through 9. And his kindness and goodness is revealed in what he does. So we have seen here who God is in part with a few of his attributes that we should praise him for. But the psalmist tells us we should also be praising God for what he does. Look with me at verse 7. Lord God shows his kindness and goodness to man. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them to sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. We see examples of this kindness and goodness of God throughout the scriptures, don't we? There are many examples of those who are poor that the Lord raises up. Think Naomi and Ruth who returned to Israel with nothing. And yet the Lord provides for them, and he provides for them abundantly through Boaz, doesn't he? He raises Ruth and Naomi up. He gives Ruth a child. A child who will be an ancestor of Christ Jesus. He gives Hannah a son, Samuel, when Hannah had no children. He makes her a mother. 
The Lord displays His kindness and goodness to us throughout Scripture. He displays His kindness and goodness to us in our own lives, doing very much the same things by caring for us, for providing for us. The Lord cares for mankind. And this care for us, this raising up the needy and setting them with princes, is most evidently displayed in our great salvation. For we who were needy, wallowing in the filth of our own sins, dead in our trespasses, what did God do for us? He raised us up newness of life. He regenerated us. And as Ephesians 2.6 says, He seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. We who are poor and needy, the Lord God raised up and set with the prince of His people, the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not wondrous? Is that not praiseworthy? Have you ever thought of that? About how worthy of praise the Lord is for this great act of care and kindness to His people. The Lord has raised you, dear Christians, and set you with Christ, with the Prince of His people. The one whom He has given the nations. The Lord is worthy of praise because of who he is and what he has done. And this is why we ought to take note of all of those duties which we have uh, in the first commandment. We read that as our confession of faith this evening, that uh, the first commandment requires us knowing and acknowledging God as the true God, worshiping and glorifying him accordingly, giving him all praise and thanks. The Lord is worthy of all of these things. The Lord calls us to all of these things. This is our duty. The first commandment teaches you that. Psalm 113 teaches you that. You, covenant people of God, you, His saints, should praise Him for what He has done and for who He is. And so I would exhort you this evening, remember... Who your God is. We do not serve uh, the gods of the nations. The Lord God is not like those frail and faulty gods of, of the ancient countries, right? These gods who could be cast down by heroes of men. No, we serve the Lord God who is transcendent, who is so far above us and everything else that no one is even close to him. We serve the God who is sovereign over all things, who controls all things, who has decreed all things. And we serve the God who has humbled himself and stooped down, has made himself imminent, condescending to us, getting close to us, being near to us. That is the God you serve. So, dear Christian, remember that. Remember that to fuel your praise of the Lord. And remember what the Lord God has done. 
Remember the great salvation which you have in Christ. Remember the great deeds which God has done throughout history. How he has saved his people, rescued them out of Egypt, how he preserved them, how in the fullness of time Christ came, and how you who were once apart from the Lord God, being Gentiles in the flesh, have now been made part of the people of God. Remember that. Let those things fuel your praise of the Lord. This is what we need to fuel our praise. This is like a log that you put on a fire. A well-seasoned oak log. Maybe it doesn't catch super fast like paper does, but it burns hot and it burns steadily and it lasts. This is the kind of fuel that you need for the fire of your heart to praise the Lord. Those things which will last the knowledge of who God is and what God has done. When you don't feel like praising him, remember those things. When it's Lord's Day morning, you're rushing to get ready for church, and the kids have lost their shoes for the third time, and you get here and you don't feel like praising the Lord, remember who he is and what he's done. Contemplate that. Meditate on that and render him praise because of that. Saints, we, we talk and praise a lot of different kinds of people. Athletes and, and, and singers and, and all those. And they do some pretty impressive things. Uh, and so, we like to talk about them. We like to praise them. But what is more impressive than all of the things which our Lord God has done. All of those attributes which our Lord God possesses, that is the needful thing to praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done. Famous people will get old and die and be forgotten. The Lord God reigns forever and ever and ever. Takes care of his people forever and ever and ever is deserving of all praise forever and ever and ever. And so, saints, praise him. This is what Psalm 113 calls us to do. It calls the people of God to render acceptable praise for all ages and all places. And it calls us to do that because the Lord God is wonderful in all of his attributes and in all of his works. So, in light of that, in light of God's attributes and works, let us go forth as his people, rendering him acceptable praise. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Antioch Presbyterian Church. We are located in the historic Cashville community of Woodruff, South Carolina, near the intersection of South Carolina Highways 101 and 417. For more information about Antioch Presbyterian Church, please visit AntiochPCA.com.